welcome to Hashtag in Conversation with the North American Association of Indian Students in Canada. I am Anishray and in this series we talk with career professionals about ideas and thought leadership that I feel can become valuable resources for Indian students all across. Uh, we are reaching out to career professionals across India and North America in diverse fields to better build a digital network. Uh, and to develop an invaluable resource that is accessible to each and everyone. Uh, today, I am talking with uh, a career professional, Mr. Vikramjit Sharma. Uh, Vikramjit, in brief, can you let our viewers and listeners know a little about yourself, your work experiences, and your current engagements? Uh, sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Anushray, for inviting me to this talk. Um, um, it's, it's a great honor to speak to all the students in North America of Indian descent. Uh, uh, so I am basically a development professional. Uh, I have almost a decade of experience in public service, nonprofit management and strategy consulting, having worked in uh, five states in India and six countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, currently, I work at a US-based nonprofit that focuses on challenges in food security and agriculture, where I advise senior clients at Fortune 500 companies, uh, philanthropic foundations, and national governments on their core strategic issues. Prior to this nonprofit, I worked at the government of India as a prime minister's fellow uh, and led planning and implementation of flagship social welfare programs of the national government, specifically focusing on Aadhaar ID-based digital transformation and improving the last mile delivery of government schemes targeting financial inclusion, primary education, public health, and rural development. Outside work, I am a member of the World Economic Forum as a global shaper and have contributed to the thought leadership at various international platforms like the United Nations, Davos, and India Economic Summit. Currently, I'm on a sabbatical, and I'm volunteering at a social enterprise uh, based out of Thailand, uh, where I mentor young female leaders in Cambodia, Bangladesh, and Thailand. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear, uh, hear such engagements. And uh, I'm really interested in learning and discussing about food security and hunger, an issue that plagues rural India and many parts of the world, as we know now know. Uh, I would say even uh, it also plagues a lot of developed nations like um, America too. Uh, and now, because of COVID-19, the problem has exacerbated, right? My question is, how do you feel that uh, a, a young student or a young Indian student, especially uh, this growing Indian student diaspora across North America, can be involved in actually offering some solutions and in, by offering some solution also kind of engage in a way that it's beneficial to the economy too, right? Right. Uh, it's a great question and I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, let me here take the liberty to just broaden the scope of your question and go beyond food yeah, security course, yeah. Yeah. and uh, broadly speak about different avenues of engagement, right? Uh, so if you see among the many trends that are emerging in India during COVID-19, two in particular are noteworthy. Uh, number one is that this pandemic 
uh, had sparked a wave of innovation in India, right? And the second major trend is that the civil society organizations and the nonprofits, they have emerged as strong, reliable frontline partners of the government in implementing and tackling issues on the ground. So let me speak about these two trends in particular, because these are the areas where I see the North American students can contribute a lot, uh, given their physical distance from the country, uh, right? So the first trend is that there's a, there's a huge innovation going on in India. Uh, and this innovation has actually set the idea of what we call a triple helix model of innovation into motion. Uh, a triple helix model of innovation basically focuses on integrating efforts between universities and research institutions, private sector industries, uh, mostly startups and incubators and governments in response to a national level problem such as COVID-19 or any other pandemic. So this is what is happening right now. You can see this triple helix model of innovation in action in India. So I think it's a great, great opportunity for Indian students in North America to engage with institutions and organizations across these three pillars uh, of uh, the triple helix model of innovation, right? Uh, if I go a bit deeper and talk about each pillar, so let's say pillar one is government, right? Uh, most of the students in North America, uh, they can engage with the governments both at national level and uh, state level through different kinds of initiatives that governments have taken off late. For example, uh, Government of India launched something called COVID-19 Solution Challenge, right? And invited innovators and students and researchers uh, to offer ideas and solutions to tackle pandemic uh, through different ways. A uh, lot of industry associations in India, for example, Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and Industry, which we popularly know as FICI, they collaborated uh, and they launched an online hackathon to develop non-medical solutions for Indian population to deal with COVID-19 challenges. Mm -hmm. So that's like one way of dealing or engaging through one pillar of this model, which is government. And I think uh, this could be uh, reversed, right? It's like if an Indian yeah, student yeah. working in Indian institution, this could also benefit North America in turn, right? So this is just not one way street, right? Exactly. Because like there's so much of data that is being gathered right now mm. uh, about such a critical pandemic, which has affected the world. Mm. And given our size and our population, uh, that data is a goldmine. Right. Yeah. So a lot of researchers and Indian students who are doing research back in North America and Canada, they can re really leverage that uh, rich information and build models and come up with new innovative solutions. Exactly. So I just spoke about pillar one, which is government. The second uh, uh, sort of channel to engage uh, is private sector, mostly startups and incubators. Right. So a lot of startup incubators such as Break Corona, they, they, they ran a lot of competitions uh, and hackathons and gathered around 1300 ideas, 180 different product solutions uh, on, on the very first day of its launch. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great opportunity for students, especially who are uh, studying engineering uh, or design to sort of participate remotely in these competitions, mm -hmm. come up with these ideas. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of open source platforms uh, there is a platform run by young uh, Indians called the Corona Safe Network, mm -hmm. uh, where people from all over the world are 
member of, uh, and they are sharing information, they are exchanging ideas, right? Uh, the third pillar is, of course, the universities and the research institutions. Mm -hmm. so, so Indian students who are studying technology, let's say someone studying robotics, uh, mm -hmm. science, they can come up with more robotics or AI-based solution and work directly with state governments. So mm -hmm. let me give you an example. Uh, like in Kerala, if you go to public uh, uh, healthcare uh, institutions or hospitals, you'll be greeted mm -hmm. by uh, ro robots who will wow. dispense uh, sanitizers and they will deliver public health messages to you mm -hmm. so, right, so, so there's a lot of lot of uh, new ideas happening in the contact less uh, dissemination of information mm. uh, uh, similarly uh, robots are being deployed in hospitals to in isolation wards to carry food and medicines for patients so again there's a contact less uh, delivery of healthcare services. Mm -hmm. These are like areas where students can directly uh, work with the state governments. Exactly. I think I think all these ideas are great, and I think we have a lot of innovators. It's just the, it's just how we actually streamline all these processes and get these ideas out there. So actually, students who are passionate and motivated by this can actually be engaged in this. I think this is one of the uh, most important aspect that that what I re personally feel right for me. Uh, if I really want to be engaged in solution, I actually have to kind of sort of uh, engage with a community of like-minded people, right? right? But I think uh, when a pandemic like this hits, uh, I think the information and uh, as you say, like uh, like the ideas that you have uh, needs to be put out there. Instead, what we see in national news it's something is sort of a misinformation, right? Instead of technology-based solutions or science-based approach, it's mostly mm -hmm. about what they're in the popular domain. And that's, I think it's very harmful. I know this is uh, uh, kind of deviating from the subject, but this is something I just wanted to add. But thank you so much for your this answer, right? Right, I mean, I'll just quickly touch upon the second trend because we have just spoken about the first mm. trend, which was innovation happening in technology. Mm. The second mm. trend, which was, how the civil society organizations and nonprofit institutions mm -hmm. have become reliable partners. And I'm sure many students in North America uh, who probably may not be uh, inclined more towards technology solutions can actually directly volunteer and work remotely with exactly. these nonprofits. Uh, yeah. Let me give an example. Uh, so there are a lot of nonprofits in India who are actually training rural women through WhatsApp video calls on how to use their ATM cards, like something wow. as simple as that. Exactly. Right? And it has a massive, massive impact because in, in this, these times of pandemic, government, yeah. government is ro rolling out direct benefit transfers. They are transferring money to bank accounts. But if people don't know you how to use ATM cards, exactly. it's difficult, right? Yeah. So look at this very simple solution can have a huge impact because most of the government schemes are Aadhaar ID linked. Mm. So everything is digitized. Mm. But there is a huge gap between uh, the concept and the implementation. Exactly. And I think that that middle space uh, is the responsibility of what I feel of journalists, of concerned citizens. But because a, a lot of our media and uh, a lot of our bureaucracy is failing us everywhere in the world, non-profit organizations, uh, student-centric organizations, and even career professionals like you kind of fill that void so that the information it's reached uh, is actually disseminated to the lowest common denominator uh, right. who don't even know how to actually access to these facilities, right? They need right. to be taught. They need to be engaged with this. And I think that's the that's where we actually can find solutions, right? So, so I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, that's great. Uh, I think uh, 
uh, I, I'm really grateful that you expanded upon uh, uh, my question, which was just related to food security and hunger. Uh, do you do do you have any just just out of curiosity? Do you have any thoughts about uh, issues that that are very specific to food security and hunger, and that uh, obviously you know because of COVID nineteen has kind of grown even in India and even in a lot of developed parts of the world too. Right. So I mean. Uh... See, India has actually the largest food security program you will mm -hmm. find anywhere in the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have the biggest uh, uh, direct benefits transfer uh, under the food security umbrella, uh, which is the PDS, uh, mm -hmm. which is the public distribution system where uh, a rural poor can go to a nearest PDS shop and mm -hmm. can have subsidized ration uh, using mm -hmm. the Aadhaar ID cards, right? The challenge in food security, basically food security uh, is based on two pillars. One is access, the other is availability, right? Okay, yeah. So availability is whether are we producing enough food and that mm -hmm. has never been a challenge in India. We yes. produce a surplus food. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's yeah. the reason we export yeah. to other countries as well. But access has always been a challenge that's because true. of because of many reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and what has happened in times of pandemic is that access has become even more uh, mm. aggravated as mm -hmm. a ch challenge, right? Mm. And that's where sort of uh, uh, the civil society organizations and even and students in North America can come in and play a critical role. For example, yeah. there's a lot of work happening in case of surveillance. So a lot of state governments are actually using GIS mapping to figure out which are the locations, which are the areas where people are deprived of food so that mm. they can direct their effort to those districts, blocks, villages, panchayats, right? Yes. So very targeted pinpoint. So yes. people, I mean, students can develop novel GIS-based solutions to help students do geotagging yeah. and GIS mapping of these shops, mm. of these villages, of these panchayats so that mm. efforts can be targeted where they are needed. Exactly, exactly. I totally agree with you. And you know, when we talk about food security, uh, we are talking about the uh, rural areas in India. But what we witnessed, what our organization, what we witnessed, there was food insecurity amongst a lot of international students who actually uh, came to America and Canada. And when the pandemic hit, they were out of their jobs. They, they, they couldn't access to the money uh, that their parents were sending them. So we we think that food insecurity is just is not just limited to the indian rural areas but it is so widespread and as you say as you talked about technology based solution i think this will be beneficial to i think the whole world uh, to even some of the students who are struggling as well uh, even I, I i find a lot of students are also a part of this uh, food insecure groups so absolutely because i mean uh, food security is not like a blanket yeah, so, yeah, right. Because there is chronic food security, which mm -hmm. you see in, in sub-Saharan Africa or in certain parts of India. And then it, there is temporary food insecurity, which happens during a flood or a war or a pandemic like this. Mm -hmm. Right. So so in India, mostly in rural parts of India, people are actually undergoing temporary uh, food insecurity uh, because of uh, the access being denied uh, given the conditions. Exactly. Uh, so I think I uh, I'll, uh, I want to ask that uh, as an Indian international student, I believe that it's often a moral responsibility for me to be continuously involved in Indian discourses, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Can you maybe talk about how students like me 
who are pursuing higher education in the US or Canada, uh, can be involved. I, I know you already talked about, but can be involved in social entrepreneurship and ventures that can eventually help critical Indian problems such as education, rural housing, public health, uh, uh, and housing in general. Right. I mean, let me uh, give you a short answer to mm, that question. For sure. uh, so there, there are there are a number of ways uh, students can engage. Uh, like Indian startup ecosystem is a thriving ecosystem right now, and there mm. are there are startups addressing every possible kind of challenge that we as a country face, whether it's agriculture, or public health, or rural employment, mm. or rural education. So there is no dearth of uh, the startups where where most of Indian students can do internships. I don't know how the courses are structured. If there are global uh, internships opportunities, I would highly recommend that many of the students in North America, they should come intern at Indian startups because many of them are actually focusing and operating in the Indian context, right? And our challenges are very unique. Given our geography, given our population, given our demography, uh, sets us apart from many other countries and also the scale at of our challenges is humongous like if you if you if you address a specific issue let's say of public health in india you gain so much from it that then you can replicate those learnings anywhere else exactly. so i think there is there's there's a lot of value in yeah. working at indian startup so that's probably one area where uh, that indian students in north america should look at uh, yeah. People who are interested in public service, nonprofit space, there are a lot of opportunities to volunteer mm-hmm. uh, at uh, some of the very reputed uh, mm-hmm. nonprofits in India. So you can definitely re- even remotely volunteer because uh, nonprofit space is not very organized as mm-hmm. a private sector space, right? So they have yeah. very basic uh, skill set gaps. Yeah. Uh, and in North, for example, many of the nonprofit managers uh, struggle to uh, build financial models right exactly. a lot of indian students in north america who are taking finance courses can sort of take remote mm. uh, webinars teach these guys how to build financial models right exactly uh, and and so on for so on and so forth yeah that's great uh, the, uh, the, 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 the third probably uh, likely option which they should definitely consider is that engage in research with professors at their own universities right? mm-hmm. uh, that's because they they are at the cutting edge of what's happening mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the specific areas and then probably bring that learning and share that learning whatever mm-hmm. is shareable through uh, blogs articles mm-hmm. webinars podcasts mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. you, you bring that knowledge also back to india and take uh, new knowledge in exchange back to your university that sort of Collaboration uh, is is a win-win for both sides. I think that that's great. Exactly, that's what I feel. I think social entrepreneurship for me personally, uh, I uh, like uh, I personally can't really uh, talk about financial models or housing. But what I can do is 
I could be the facilitator, right? I, I, we are actually creating the digital platform where like we can actually engage with people who have solutions and ideas, right? And that's how you begin with, right? And that's, that's totally great. If there is a, if let's say there is an MBA student somewhere in the US who can work with a struggling nonprofit in India and can, and both can discover a financial model that's viable, that pays, pays their employees. And in doing so is actually benefiting a lot of people, uh, across India and North America by that non-profits operations, right? So that's the, I think that's the biggest struggle for in the non-profit space, what I feel personally too, that yeah. uh, at one point, you really have to figure out the financial model, right? In order to help others, you first have to help yourself, right? First, you have to sustain yourself. You have to actually uh, pay uh, those minds who can actually uh, create these non-profit spaces, right? Uh, yeah. So I think that's the biggest challenge, and I I, I, I certainly hope that like a lot of uh, people who are actually engaged in a lot of research and a lot of financial uh, education here in North America can actually start working in North uh, nonprofit spaces uh, to actually find uh, these kind of solutions too. Uh, no, absolutely, I, because see what what you see people who work at nonprofit, their heart is at the right place. So intent is definitely there, right? Yeah. Uh, but there is there is also a conspicuous skill gap, right? Yeah. So if someone yeah. can come in and bridge that gap, uh, mm. the, then the, the combination of two uh, creates a lot of value in the society. Yeah. So I, just a personal question: uh, You have been working on a lot of nonprofit spaces. Uh, do you think it's a persistent problem that nonprofit spaces? Uh, don't really get enough funding that they uh, that they deserve or uh, they don't really know how to actually secure this funding is that a persistent problem or do you think it's just like one off problem what do you feel oh it's a great question i think uh, and you kind of have you have hit the nail on its head uh, it's not a problem of not getting funding there is there is enough capital out there uh, people mm. really want to invest uh, what what most nonprofits struggle with is uh, the messaging, right? Uh, so they, they usually struggle to quantify their impact uh, based on which they can go out and ask for funding, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if there is a, there's a nonprofit that's working in food security, uh, probably let's say running a community kitchen, mm. right? Uh, that nonprofit would not be able to uh, craft the right message for the funders or the investors to tell them that, okay, if you give me $1 for every $1, I'll be able to feed five people, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're not able to break down their message to a level where it, it's so easy to digest and understand and see the impact, right? Mm -hmm. So they usually talk in terms of broad numbers and uh, impact, which is hard to quantify. Okay. So I think it's, it's more a case of strategy and messaging when most of the nonprofits struggle. Yeah, I think it, another thing that's really funny and uh, I've heard from a lot of, I think the older Indian generation, what they feel is if you're working at nonprofit, you're, you're just working for free, right? Uh, a lot of people in nonprofit, their, their whole life is dedicated to nonprofit space where they're working 70 and 80 hours a week, right? And yeah. we expect them to get a pay so that they can act so that their time and energy is valuable and that pay uh, uh, actually to hire these skills will actually result in actually kind of uh, getting the message the core message of the nonprofit out there so that actually uh, government agencies and another whatever kind of private funding opportunities can be accessed and again we were talking about this right resources and the people who need it 
there's a right, huge right. gap, right? And this huge gap is filled by non-profit spaces. That's exactly. why non-profit spaces need funding. And that's why we also need intelligent students to actually come up and actually help these non-profit spaces to actually let, to get these core messages out. Uh, like for personally, I think in this pandemic, a lot of Indian-based uh, or even North American-based non-profit really help in uh, in actually providing aids in terms of medicines, in terms of food, in terms of critical supplies. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm pretty sure the Indian government actually helped or even uh, the North American government in their spaces helped their uh, citizens, but non-profit organization played a very vital role. Uh, so, yeah. Right. So I, I think uh, the other major challenge which nonprofits face is that they don't invest in their own people mm -hmm. because they already have their cash stopped. Mm -hmm. So they never built in cost mm -hmm. to upgrade skills of their people. So you will, you will not see the second or third rank of leaders uh, in nonprofit. A typical nonprofit in India usually will have a, someone at the top who has a lot of industry experience, has worked. Across mm. uh, has cross sector cross functional skills, but as you go down the hierarchy, the the quality of leadership goes down, exactly. right? And and it is the, the 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 bottom layer of leadership that actually implement things on ground. Exactly, exactly. Right. So, yeah. howsoever good your strategy is at the top, yeah. by the time it goes down to the lower level of leadership, it yeah. loses essence, and that's why uh, the biggest. Uh, I mean, what suffers the most is your impact. And when there is no impact, then it becomes difficult for these nonprofits to sell it to their new funders mm. because they haven't created the kind of impact they intended to, mm. right? And then it becomes a vicious circle. You don't mm. have impact. You can't show it. You can't raise money. And exactly, it goes around. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm really happy that you're talking about this nonprofit space because I'm pretty sure there has to be an, an Indian student out there who is kind of skeptical about actually working in a nonprofit space. For me, who is working in a nonprofit space and I'm not getting paid for it now, uh, I, I would urge if you have volunteering time, any student, do that. I think, and if you if, if you figure out how to actually build a financial model around it, that's the most rewarding thing you can be involved in, right? That's what I feel. Right. That's what I personally Right. Think. For example, my current nonprofit, we have 31 offices, around 17 offices in Africa, out of hey, which I, hey. I've been to seven offices, another 12 offices in Latin America. Right. It's a great opportunity to see the world and actually exactly. do really meaningful work. Yeah. And yes, they don't pay you as much as <laughs> private sector, but then it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward that yeah. they are not for profits, right? Exactly. They don't focus on bottom lines and top lines. They yeah, focus yeah. on impact. Right. Yeah. So it's, I don't think it's fair to expect the kind of salary that you get I know, in the I know. private sector, right? Yeah. Because it's a different world. Exactly. Maybe in an ideal world, nonprofits pay more than your private sectors in an ideal world, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think uh, I, uh, so. Uh, I want to talk about that. I, I, you have vast experiences as you as you talk about in again consulting nonprofit organization across several nations, as you just talked mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. As a student-led nonprofit organization, NIAS, North American Association of Indian Students, uh, we seek to represent all the Indian and Indian origin students across North America. Also, kind of seek uh, a lot of incoming students uh, that uh, that every year plans to come to North America too. So, how do you think an umbrella organization like us? 
can be helpful to build as as we again i mentioned social entrepreneurship and strategies uh, to provide avenues for a lot of indian students uh, who face social ba barriers in india to even think about higher education in north america right and when you talk about higher education am i correct in understanding that you're talking about both the undergrad and the yes, master's yes, level yeah right great well, i'm glad you brought this question up because the higher education landscape in india is sort of at the cusp of transformation mm. there's been a lot of uh, uh interesting work happening uh in the in the in the higher education space uh, in fact there is a lot of focus on creating uh indian ivy level universities so a lot of industry veterans uh people who have been worked in education sector they are pulling in their own money to set up world class quality institutions uh, uh so that indian students don't have to uh, go outside india but till that happens yes there is a lot of scope uh, and i think indian um, students in north america they can play a critical role and in particular i would say there are three areas that uh, you should focus on uh, one is uh, like in metros and in tier 1 cities in india like delhi mumbai chennai bangalore hyderabad mm -hmm. there is enough exposure mm -hmm. to students uh, and there is a fairly wide outreach of internet and smartphones and technology for students in these cities to access information but as you move down to tier 2 and tier 3 cities uh, yes there is internet yes there is smartphones uh, but then compared to tier 1 it goes down in comparison right uh so students in tier 2 tier 3 cities they don't have that kind of access to knowledge right uh and in development we have this theory called the aspirational horizon right so for mm -hmm. students from these two tier 2 tier 3 cities if if students in north america they can sort of figure out a way to connect with tier 2 tier 3 city students in india and mm -hmm. help them expand their mm -hmm. aspirational horizon just show them what's on the other side right what yeah. what what you can do as you access or you gain access to higher education mm -hmm. uh, in the us and in canada right mm -hmm. uh, share information on what's the hot trends in uh, education what are the hot mm -hmm. courses people are taking what kind mm -hmm. of career trajectories so mm -hmm. those courses lead to what are the industry trends uh what are the different financial resources like scholarships and fellowships so do i think tier 2 and tier 3 students should be your focus area because those are the ones in greatest need so that's number one focus on their expanding their aspiration horizon uh number two is uh you can reach reach out to your own alma maters back in india right so reach out to your colleges reach out to your schools and probably set up some campus ambassador network sort of platforms there's at least students from your schools your colleges can figure out can find a way to connect to you guys mm -hmm. and there is a, there is a regular exchange of information happening mm -hmm. between indian students in america and indian mm -hmm. students in india right mm -hmm. that's second uh, third is uh, if you can set up some sort of a pro bono consulting service mm -hmm. for the students so if anyone decides uh to study uh, outside india can you help them with uh, mm. school applications can you help mm. them with due diligence regarding educational loans mm. uh i mean these are some of the areas where you guys can come in and like 
play a yeah. great role. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Like all these three points are great, and I think these are some of the points we were actually talking about. And now you actually kind of articulating it so well. I think this is something we are building upon, and this is great. Actually, uh, I, again, as you mentioned, for me, I'm personally from New Delhi, right? So yeah. I have I had access to all these information, and right. most importantly, I had the guidance, and I had uh, access to high quality, uh, high speed internet. I think that's the most crucial part, right, to access education right. uh, today. Yes. And a lot of tier two or tier three cities, or I would say rural India, right. even if if there is such immense potential in talent because of lack of infrastructure and lack of mentorship and guidance uh, people kind of i i often feel they are stuck in what is cs poverty traps right yeah so you can't really access your potential and and that's uh, something that i think our organization really needs to do we do have, actually have campus ambassadors across uh, universities or uh, in canada and the us but that's a great idea to actually all of us should reach out to our alma mater back in india right and then yeah. uh, work on the ground in india to actually uh, work uh, with indian students there so that they can reach out to a lot of these students in tier 2 tier 3 and even in rural india right and because of covid i think it is sort of a blessing in disguise because mm. there is there's been a paradigm shift that's happening in terms yeah. of use of technology right yeah. so the adoption rate of conducting everything on webinars and zoom is happening so rapidly yes. that that distance or physical distance is no more a barrier it, it doesn't matter like, it doesn't like matter sitting in on in your in your room you can speak to 20 50 students from your school or your yeah. college yeah. and just have a session on how to work on your essays or how to access exactly. financial exactly. resources and yeah. that's a, that's a great uh, yeah. value add addition exactly like as you talked about right like for example uh we could actually have let's see i'll just take my examples uh someone who has been the, through this process of actually locating from india to canada actually filling in all the graduate applications and and applying for a loan and all the and applying for scholarships and all these small processes that is involved when you locate from one country to another right so let's see if like there are 50 people like me and even once a month we are engaging through uh zoom with 10 of these yes. students who are filling their applications they don't need to pay to these agents who charge ungodly amount of fees just yes. to fill their applications right it's such an right. easy process i can help yeah. them out and that exactly pro bono consulting just do it for them exactly right and but i think the most critical part and i'll sort of reiterate yeah. reiterate is is uh uh i mean there is often a lack of motivation and that's why i i the my the first point i raised was expanding their aspiration exactly horizon. exactly you guys are these success stories probably when you conduct these sessions you mm. probably take a take take a success story of someone mm. from mm. their city who came to us yes did a particular course yes. studied at a particular university yeah. is now working at some organization yeah. uh suddenly thoughts become real right and people yes. start relating with exactly. them and they said i can be that person right and when exactly. that when you expand that then the then step 2 step 3 sort of are the exactly exactly and I, uh, what i feel is education is one way to actually take a generation out of poverty and misery yeah you can say it, it's a cliche but that's the harsh reality i've seen education transform lives right and uh, as you uh, talk about expanding the passion i think 
even if there is passion and a lot of let's say a lot of uh, tier 2 and tier 3 student even when they land up in uh, in north america they are lost here yeah e- even with all their education because a lack of social skills that is required to actually secure a job uh, right secure, networking which is networking. big in us you yeah. can't land up a yeah. job if you can't network yeah right? exactly like like and these are life skills yes yes and i think uh, i i i consider myself really privileged that that i i already i had access to all this information both being education or both being in terms of so, how, how to socially interact with other and i think that's the crucial part to actually uh, really help the student and help mentor uh, our peers in a way that they can they can not only succeed academically but also culturally and socially right absolutely i'm i'm glad you brought this up because mm-hmm. it's not only about skills it's not mm-hmm. only about access to information it is also i would emphasize on building the right habits right mm-hmm. so how they can be disciplined to yeah. to get an admit right they can't yeah. like uh, do a wishy washy job they have to be really focused how can they be disciplined how can they be more motivated how can they be more focused yeah. Yeah. because you guys have been through the grind so you can yeah. share your experiences exactly. um, that can also go a long way yeah in- yeah I- i'll give you an example of horrible mentorship uh so in canada a lot of indian students who are i'll just give who are from punjab like small cities in punjab they right. come here they do their masters right they, they are doing their masters from reputed universities they are, they are they they completed their masters in mechanical engineering civil engineering they are uh, they uh, they actually have it experiences back in india and cut to canada they are working in coffee shops they are work they are driving trucks they are driving ubers i'm not saying there's anything wrong with these jobs but you you, right. you don't secure a masters but that's not what they came this. for right exactly yeah so right. and they are like stuck in this trap because they don't know it because they need to earn money right to sustain right and uh, yeah. their family has hopes they have to pay their loans so i think these are some of the challenges that uh, we really need to figure out as an a student led organization and i think some of your uh, op- thoughts and opinions are amazing that's why i want this session this conversation to happen and this conversation to be put out to mm-hmm. actually uh, uh, a student like me engaging with someone a mentor in a way who actually have experience right. right so we are talking about solutions here right so that right. and uh, after this conversation i i really want people to just me message you hi uh, hi vikram ji as a student i really loved your ideas and in a way it's a positive exchange uh, and it's a positive net net outcome right people right. engage with me people engage with our organization they tell us what to do they tell us how should we help them so uh, right. that's what i want uh, to happen after this conversation call me an idealist but at least you have to dream to actually make uh, things move in this world right right as 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 nelson mandela said it's always impossible until it's done yeah yeah exactly and uh, you just have to be motivated in this in these times when a lot can be can seem gloomy uh, i think uh, i would just lastly ask you one thing uh, uh, how do you feel that uh, as a career professional when we talk uh, about the potential of the indian student as we know are thriving all over the world right uh and i all also ask you to just kind of just share any final piece of advice or thought or just any creative input that you see indian student across could benefit from uh right i think one piece of advice that i would definitely like to 
give Indian students is that it's it's great to be self-critical. I mean, that's from where the change begins. So be self-critical, uh, analyze where you're faltering, but at the same time, be also solution-oriented, right? You can't be self-critical all the time. Uh, just think of these solutions. I mean, we are right now at, 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 at the cusp of massive change that is happening in India in all sectors, right? Mm -hmm. We are progressing as a country, uh, achieving new heights, mm -hmm. but we are still a country of paradox. We are the country which reached Mars in its first mm. attempt, but we also uh, are a country of 200 million people who are hungry, mm -hmm. right? So there's, there's a huge paradox. Yeah. How can you, you, so it's good to be self-critical and uh, critical about issues, but then can you come up with solutions which can help uh, both our societies, our communities, our country have that kind of uh, mindset to be solution interest oriented. That's a wonderful note to kind of end our conversation. Uh, thank you for taking time out to actually talking with me. Uh, I hope you find this conversation kind of worth your time. Uh, and we really hope to have future conversations with you uh, as we go along and also engage with a lot of career professional and uh, young, uh, intelligent mind like yours, right? To actually uh, have these questions, have these discussions and debates. Uh, well, thank you so much, Anushay. I love the conversation. And uh, uh, I'm just reaching out through you to all the to Indian students in North America. Feel free to reach out to me. Anushay, feel free to share my LinkedIn. Or exactly, I will. With them. And uh, I mean, I'm happy to uh, also connect you with, with institutions, uh, both in private sector, non-profit, public sector, if you want to engage with, with on different issues, on different challenges or uh, areas where you think you can contribute, right? So you can engage through volunteering or fellowships. There are different ways. I'll be happy to uh, connect you with such opportunities as well. That's great. Thank you for uh, mentoring uh, with the North American Association of Indian Students. We are grateful uh, for your help. Uh, thank you so much, Vikramji. You're welcome. Thank you.